with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, good Monday, rainy morning to y'all. I hope you're enjoying it. Well, looks like we're getting a bit of a break from it this morning. This is Echo Wiley here with Phyllis Warren and Alan Wishhort. Hey, there he's waving at y'all. <laughs> um, this is the Monday morning wake-up call, and uh, we're talking about something very important these days. That is care for our elders and making sure that they're safe, protected. Um, it is Alzheimer's month, so we are basically setting in on that. And we've got Shelley LeBreton here, and she is coming at us from her own uh, business of innovative social work. She's an amazing resource in this community, so I hope everyone has an opportunity to speak with her at one time or another. Hi, Shelley. How are you doing today? Hi, good morning. Thanks for inviting me onto your show. It's um, an honor to be doing the work um, in our community with seniors, and I'm really happy that you're highlighting this issue because I think it's a very prominent issue and um, we have to, you know, get more get more of the messaging out there so that people can start to understand how many people are being affected and what we can do as, you know, good citizens in our community to kind of alleviate some of the the pressures, the stress, the abuse, and um, you know, concerns that our seniors are currently are experiencing. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a lot of that out there. I was uh, speaking with my aunt last night, and we were talking about a situation down in Crownbrook. Uh, you brought up the abuse thing, and that's uh, it's just so easy whether you're wanting to or not. Um, just not react in accordance with the way you should. And apparently Cranbrook and in the area took it into their own hands and they announced this thing that any elder who uh, felt that they couldn't speak up <laughs> about abuse that they had going on, uh, they were to wear the color purple outside so that that uh, they could let people know. Well, unfortunately, that message didn't get across to everybody. And and uh, my friend gets a knock on her door and the police are doing a wellness check for her mother. <laughs> <laughs> who happened to wear her favorite purple sweater to the grocery? No, I apparently sorry, I get that got that wrong. Was the bank and the bank literally people phone? So wow. I mean, that's nice that someone cared enough, but we've got to stop sending out these mixed messages and half um, half things to get this. And I'm so glad that you stepped into this uh, chair and w- what you're doing, or stepped into the circle, I should say. And what you've been doing is uh, giving end-of-life services uh, because it's very difficult to know even within your own family sometimes there's people that can't be trusted um, how do you go about getting your finances set up straight and and what are the legal ramifications of being uh, what's that word Phyllis um, that you were saying about your sister she financial abuse uh, a financial abuse is is a, a problem for that and if someone may be the um, in power of the power of attorney for someone but that person may not have been turned over, uh, had completely, what's what's the other word? The, um, um, the power of attorney hasn't been properly activated. Activated, there we go. So so that opens up a lot of issues for people. And, and uh, is there such protection set up for elders, Shelley? What's the process that you go through within this? 
Well, it, that, it, that's a whole lot of conversation, <laughs> Echo, but if I could just start with the good intentions of the people in Cranbrook, because that color purple is not by accident. The color purple is the color that's been chosen around the world to uh, bring awareness to the issue of elder abuse. Absolutely. And it, um, the month of June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month, and then... June 15th is actually World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, where we're hoping to create a sea of purple in our community with the event that we're going to, um, to the public awareness event around elder abuse. We're going to have a, uh, a social distance parade where we put messaging about elder abuse on people's vehicles and or they decorate in the color purple, purple t-shirts, the whole thing. The color purple wasn't by accident, I don't think, in Cranbrook. And is even though the story is sort of, you know, it's sort of colloquially funny and stuff like that, there's a real serious Very message serious. in wearing that. And it's just like the bullying color when they wear the orange or the pink t-shirts. Um, you know, there's real messaging in that color, and I think that's important. So hats off to them. Um, but in terms of what can we do to help protect our elders, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of agencies in town that are sort of, um, we all think of the PG Council of Seniors because that's a real obvious senior support, but there are other supports that are going on. For instance, there's a program called the Better at Home Program, and that program supports people to be able to stay in their home as long as possible as they go through their senior years. They can supply housekeeping supports. They can supply grocery shopping supports, caregiving um, uh, support for the caregiver in that person's life, or they have what's called friendly visits so they can help alleviate loneliness. The purpose of having all these supports is to help identify when a senior may be going through issues that maybe they're not able to speak out about mm-hmm. or maybe they're not actually aware of themselves because self-neglect is part of elder abuse as well. And I think if we started with the kind of the definition of elder abuse and you tapped on the financial abuse already, elder abuse is very, very unique in that it is people they know that are abusing them. It's not the stranger danger kind of abuse that... Um, you know, uh, that is typical. But financial abuse is one of the biggest forms of elder abuse. And because of that, there, uh, you know, there's just been a lot of um, elder, financial elder abuse can lead to death. And I've seen that when a senior's bank account has been depleted, when they're in a long-term care center, and they've lost their last touch with their world, and they give up. And I've seen that with my own eyes, and I've worked with those scenarios, and it's a very sad thing. And it makes it more complicated when the abuse is from somebody you know, you love, you care about, and maybe, uh, you know, are, for whatever your circumstances is, you're unable to push back against that, that person, that predator. A lot of times we have a hard time labeling the people we love as predators, but there's predatorial behavior in amongst the love. And it gets, and the, you know, it just gets really difficult to identify. So one of the ways that we can help people to identify if abuse is going on, the Community Response Network here in town, the Prince George Community Response Network does, uh, and the BC Community Response Network has a little educational program called It's Not Right, and it helps people to identify these um, 
these issues when they're, you know, um, a lot of people have suspicions, but they don't know how to move forward with it. And we do have tools to help people move forward. One of them is called the public guardian and trustee. You can put a complaint into the public guardian and trustee, and that entity that that will do an investigation to see, um, and a lot of it is financial abuse for the public guardian and trustee, but Northern Health has an adult abuse neglect adult abuse and neglect specialist who also is a specialist in ethics. And the investigation can start at that level. So there's ways that we can report locally. There's a number of uh, uh, sort of provincial government entities like SAIL, um, SAFER, seniors advocacy groups that you can turn to for support. 211 is a big uh, phone, like you can, instead of dialing 911, you can dial 211, and you will get to talk to somebody who can link you into resources to help you get the support for the senior you may be having concern about, or if you are the senior, where you can go and get support. Another legal way to protect seniors is through the power of attorney, and the power of attorney has to be signed off on officially, but what's important to know is power of attorney can give, um, um, is something that is gifted by the person to another person. So I'm gifting you the right to look after my money. I'm gifting you the right to make medical decisions for me when I no longer have capacity. And they, but the thing is, they have to have capacity in order to create those legal documents. And there's an assessment process that's built into that into those um, into that process, so that no, that can discern when some senior is being sort of led down the garden path, you know. And the thing about Alzheimer's, the thing about certain dementias that um, you know that a senior may be experiencing, which is, by the way, not a common natural part of aging. Getting Alzheimer's is not necess- is not just an older person's disease. It can happen in young people, younger people as well. I myself personally had an uncle who had it at 48 and died at 52 from it. So it, it is um, sort of like a myth out there that dementia and Alzheimer's are just natural for older people. It isn't. Very few seniors actually have that experience. I don't know, uh, one statistic that sticks out for me on this is that only 15% of seniors actually go to long-term care. That's interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It is. It is. And it is because of that statistic being so low that we don't have the public pressure to put money into that system to take care of them. And that's kind of, it's another topic, off topic, but it's part of what happened with the failure in our long-term care system around the pandemic. It just didn't touch enough people right? in general because not as, uh, you know, so the health, the good piece in this is that very few of our seniors are actually ending up in that situation, right? But as people progress through Things like Alzheimer's, things like dementia, their their capacity for consent to do legal documents and stuff like that can come and go. 
And if you have a predator in your life, a family member that kind of figures out, oh, this is a good day, enough for us to take you to the bank to do what you need to do to get money, or to take you and the 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 um, all the way to the power of attorney uh, signing, they're saying, make sure you say this, make sure you say that. Um, the, if you have a good notary or a good lawyer, they're going to take the person alone into a room and do that assessment to probe respectfully to make sure there's no abuse going on or that the ability for consent is not really there. So hopefully the processes that are built in, the legal requirements of the person who is setting up the power of attorney is respected. Right. And, you know, with online banking, it just makes it so much easier for this financial abuse to happen, you know, especially if they have the power of attorney and they go in to the bank with the parent or whoever they're looking after and set up online banking. Then they can access it through a computer or their phone or anything and take funds. Is that not possible? It's possible. People are very creative at the way they do, um, uh, the way they do their theft. Um, I was involved. I got to participate in a webinar called the, "The Bank of Mommy and Dad," <laughs> of Mom and Dad. It was called, and it was presented by a RCMP officer, actually out of Ontario, and he specialized in senior adult uh, financial abuse. And one of the more common things that seniors experience as they lose mobility and access to community is a love, they'll send a loved one to the store with their bank card and give them their, their password, right? Right. And then that gets ended up uh, dipped into without their permission. And I have seen bank accounts to the tune of twenty dollars and $30,000 drained. Five hundred dollars uh-huh. at a time at the casino, let's say, or you know, just outrageous spending suddenly takes place in the senior's bank account. And uh, so, one thing I learned is that a debit card is legally governed underneath credit card legislation, and your debit card has is much viewed like a credit card. You go into a contract with your bank, and you promise not to give that password out. So if you give that password out, you can be charged. And when I have phoned the RCMP about this this situation, I sort of just briefly touched on someone drains a bank account because they, you know, they took advantage of the situation. RCMP don't want to move forward with charges because, well, they broke the law, too. And then I was like, wow, this is terrible. And we, you know, there was no remedy for the situation. Um, But here's the thing RCMP officers can charge the person who got the password with that fraud. It still can move forward. Both people would be charged, but there isn't a freaking judge in this world that's going to look at somebody in long term care and, and then move forward with the charge and, you know. It'll, it'll, it won't move forward. But I don't think a lot of our, and I, I could get, I, I haven't looked it up this morning because this conversation just sort of triggered organic, organically, but there's an actual statute that next time I'm in this situation with a senior and an RCMP officer, I'll be telling that RCMP officer because they're not all born with the information either, and they may not know that there is a remedy that that person who stole that debit card can be charged. 
with that fraud. So empowered with that information in the future as I do my business and, you know, through my, my own private practice, I'll be um, making sure that that gets followed up on. So it's another place in the system that we can bring remedy to financial abuse. Right on. Yeah, I guess. And just having all the officers informed out there of the statutes, I'm like you said, not all of them are know everything. So um, that's that's really handy information. Okay, Shelley, we got to take a quick break here and we're going to be back. Are you going to stick around with us and we're going to pick your brain some more, please? All right. Awesome. Thank you. After nine. Tune in on Sunday mornings at 830 for a Let the Bible Speak radio broadcast. This is Pastor Andrew Simpson. And each week on our program, we will hear Christ Jesus being preached, gospel hymns being sung, and encouraging news from our churches in British Columbia. Our goal at Let the Bible Speak is to preach Christ in all his fullness, to man in all his need. So tune in on Sunday mornings at 8.30 for Let the Bible Speak only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Amanika Arts Centre needs your help. A locally-led, artist-run, not-for-profit since 2018, the Amanika Arts Centre needs approximately $60,000 to cover this year's operating budget. A GoFundMe charity fundraising campaign has been started to generate the funds needed to continue as an important venue for the local arts community. To make your donation, visit GoFundMe.com and search for Amanika Arts. Check out the current total and make your donation today to save Amanika Arts Centre at GoFundMe.com. Studio 2880 and Arts North announced the launch of the Arts North Digital Studio, podcast, live stream, video and photo production, audio and video editing, design, illustration, animation, and much more will be on the workshop schedule in the post-pandemic future. For information on this exciting creative space, contact artsnorthbc at outlook.com. And remember, the Renaissance took place during a time of chaos and plague. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of rain today. Wind from the west at 20 gusting to 40 this afternoon with a risk of thunderstorms, a high of 11. Mainly cloudy tonight, a 60% chance of showers this evening. West winds becoming light this evening and a low of 2. For Tuesday, more showers. Wind from the northwest at 30 gusting to 50 in the morning and a high of 8. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, we're back. Um, well, we all wish we lived in a perfect world and that everybody got along and nobody really took advantage of other people. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. Uh, even folks we trust. Uh, and this is why we are speaking of elder care and uh being in charge of a person's life and what the extent of it is and the things that are set up to protect us. Now, there are times where our systems of protection and control don't work in our favor. Phyllis is going to talk about an experience she's uh, had in the recent uh, past. This is Phyllis Warren coming on the radio here talking with you, Shelley. She's my co-host. Yeah, Shelley, you know, I have heard of a situation lately that has occurred. And um, this family went to the public trustee, and they were told that they did not know if they could investigate because the mother might have given permission to the person to take the funds out of her bank account. And now we're talking about fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 that they're trying to find a way to recoup or to get charges laid. And it was by her own daughter who had the power of attorney. 
But it was not activated yet. Yes. Yes. This woman um, has not been deemed incompetent yet. She is living on her own. She has her own place. And her daughter just With went Alzheimer's. on. Alzheimer's. Yes. Yes. And her daughter just went to the bank and set up online banking and she can access the money freely. And, you know, unfortunately, she can do those things legally with consent. In our society, people have the right to be abused if they so choose to live in a situation where they're being taken advantage of. We see it with more commonly in domestic violence, Mm. right? So we don't take that privilege away from people to make bad choices. So if that person has given consent while they are... um, you know, uh, capable of giving consent, then, you know, it may not make us happy, but they made that decision. And sometimes that gets hard to accept. Where where the public guardian and trustee comes into play is if that person can't give consent. And that's the first thing they're going to seek out, is information about that. And early stage Alzheimer's, dementia, and stuff like that, a person does have a lot of capacity to give consent. Now, That doesn't mean there isn't abuse going on, undue pressure, undue nefarious intentions of the person who's taking over the money, Mm -hmm. um, and that they haven't mistreated their privilege there. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily against the law when the person who gave them that privilege is, is, is consenting freely. And we can consent to abuse. Right. Even if it is, and so that, you know, the public guardian and trustee, the one thing to know about them as a government entity, the last thing they want is to be in your lives. Mm-hmm. They are there when all else fails. And they have set a lot of legal documentation processes up to make sure that that gets access before they do. Um, so another, for instance, one thing that's money always stands in the way sometimes for people. Maybe the senior you're looking after only has basic pensions, doesn't have savings. Their, you know, their basic pension only covers their expenses, and you can't afford to go out and get a $400 average cost for a power of attorney done up. But there's the representation agreement there, which is a legal documentation process that has two people sign that document that witnesses you are giving consent um, to so-and-so to run your finances. And that is now legal in our province. We're the only province with this document, with this um, representation agreement. So it's an option for people who are struggling in poverty to be able to um, to get that support that they need. If if this all happened before the power of attorney was established, then that becomes more of an RCMP issue than a public guardian and trustee issue. Public guardian and trustee are the governing body that um, holds accountable those who've taken on the privilege of power of attorney, that they abide by the laws within that that uh, financial protection process. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes. And the thing is, too, is that, um, you know, um, this woman decided to set up everything as soon as they um, had diagnosed her, but uh, she is still competent enough to look after herself. She just wanted to make plans for the future for when she could not no longer make those decisions for herself and you know um 
they had went into the bank and then all of a sudden she goes out to shop and she can't even buy $50 worth of clothes because she's broke and all her life savings is gone. Um, yes, and if she, but if she allowed that person into her bank and and then didn't expect her to spend all that money, she has the RCMP to turn to. This is where elder abuse gets complicated, because the very person you are turning in may be the only person that's going to allow you to stay at home and not go into a, a long-term care center. May be your only option. And this is where we need to get the community supports in place. Sometimes the person who's doing the abusing, you know, I've seen families where the person with the power of attorney just started spending a little bit here and there. Next thing you know, yeah, it was 20000 And mm-hmm. the family knew that this person was well-intended um, and gave him the opportunity, to, or the person, I should say, the opportunity to pay back money. Right. Right. Um, so when you're the person who's looking after the person needing care, that caregiver sometimes needs support so they can manage the heartache that they're going through because the caregiver piece is huge, too. But nonetheless, uh, somebody who's willing to go in and drain their parents is it a, par- a, a, a daughter you said, yes. if they're willing to go in and drain a parent's bank account to the tune of that much money, especially in a short period of time, then that's an RCMP issue, and people have the right to be abused. Yes, yes, and and you see, that's just it, is the fi- family, you know, uh, the other siblings didn't want to do anything, it might have been a mistake, you know, maybe she didn't understand, and then... Maybe there's addiction. Exactly. Maybe there's addiction, and maybe the support for addiction needs to be put in place, because all these people are worthy of the family care, right? right? And maybe this person is feel like the family abandoned me and dumped my mom on me, and I'm the one doing all this. I'll reward myself because that's the only way I can get through this. There's so many layers to... Um, to elder abuse when it comes to the family dynamics and the person actually doing the abusing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's about having enough community supports. Like the Community Response Network, for instance, we are, um, we are sort of like an online entity. Nobody has an office, but we hub all the information within our communities. Currently, 97 communities have a Community Response Network chapter. And so somebody would phone me and say, I'm dealing with the situation, right? And I would give them information like I've just told you, but more importantly, I would like, here's how you get a hold of the public guardian and trustee. Here's how you get a hold of PG Council of Seniors. We have the contact information for all resources for abuse from ages 18 to 118. We focus on elder abuse because we see that as our priority concern. But we support all initiatives and communities for abuse, and uh, that is a good resource for people to know about. Part of why we're doing the elder abuse celebration in June, June 15th, um, the drive-by parade, is, is, is just to bring awareness about this um, community uh, resource. Right on, right on. Um, so, remote, remote community, we can help resources to those places too. Sorry, Shelley, we missed that little bit about the rural communities. Uh, the last little bit, we were going to try and take a break there, but I'd like you okay. to get that out. Sorry about that, buddy. 
just that we have, we, because we have information about different uh, supports in different communities, we can also have the information for all the entities that do that outreach piece. I've had phone calls from Fort Ware and, you know, real, uh, real remote communities that may not have the resource rate built within them. So the Community Response Network helps hub the provincial information as well as whatever can be connected as local as possible. Right on, right on. Okay, we're speaking with Shelley uh, LeBreton from Innovative Social Work. We will be back speaking with her in a couple of minutes here after this break. Thanks, Shelley. If you're looking for wide open spaces this summer, Hubble Homestead is the place to be. The season kicks off with spring on the homestead, May 22nd through May 24th. Take in seasonally themed self-led activities, craft kits, guided tours, and physically distanced games. Come out with your core bubble for fun, lunch, and a browse through the general store. Book in advance for a heritage demonstration. For details, visit HubbleHomestead.ca. Spring on the homestead, May 22nd through May 24th at Hubble Homestead, 40K North off Highway 97 on Mitchell Road. The 2021 Census of Population is here. Complete your census online, by phone, or by mail. It's easy, safe, and important. Census information is vital for planning our communities. Everything from schools and public transportation to housing, hospitals, and employment training rely on census data. Learn more about the 2021 Census today by visiting census.gc.ca. Your census, your community, your future. Construction has started on a new downtown child care center. The facility will provide 85 new child care spots, including 12 infant toddler spaces, 25 group child care slots for children ages 30 months to school age, and 48 school age spaces. The site, located along Queensway next to the Parkhouse condominiums, will be operated by the YMCA. More information is available through the news and notices link at princegeorge.ca. The YMCA Parkhouse Care and Early Learning Center is scheduled to open late this year. It's man versus machine on May 29th to find out how quickly different modes of transportation can get around the city. As a promotion for the Go-By Bike Week from May 31st to June 6th, Mayor Lynn Hall, Councillor Kyle Sampson, Ron Gallo, and Jacob Mullet will leave City Hall at 1, make four stops around the city, and finish at Rainbow Park. They will be riding a motorcycle, an SUV, a bike, and an e-bike to have some fun and see how much of a difference in time there is. Man vs. Machine, May 29th at 1, starting at City Hall. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we're back with a more Monday morning wake-up call on the After 9 program. We're speaking with Shelley LeBreton from Innovative Social Work. So, um... when you say innovative, that is the best name ever, I was uh, thinking to myself, because you are innovative and work with people, correct? Right. The, the purpose, I guess, in the name is, um, as a social worker in our community for, well, I've been a social worker for over 30 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've been in our community for just like 25 years, and um, one thing from working, I've identified a number of gaps in service delivery that um, I call ticky boxes. We can't step outside of the ticky box in our role as a social worker. And so what I did is built a whole bunch of service delivery on, based on those gap needs. And end-of-life care is definitely one of the services 
or maybe a package of services that I can help people with. And it includes things like navigating all of the insurances. Maybe there's a CPP disability claim that's necessary or a provincial disability claim. I am a registered social worker, so I can sign off on those disability documents. I also help with um, establishing power of attorneys. I'm a this is new in my service, but I've just applied for my uh, commissioner of oath so that I can do witness uh, witnessing the signatures myself. But mostly for power of attorney, I refer um, to a really well-known lawyer here in town. But the representation agreements I can help set people up with, understanding the um, the um, rank of kinship um, when you're going through. A situation like sudden, maybe maybe the senior goes through something quite traumatic, like a stroke, and consent was never given, set up, and power of attorney was never set up. The government has set up a system of kinship that gives people power next in line. So it's your spouse first. We'll always have that role to make decisions for you in that when you become incapacitated without legal, what you, without your wishes being captured in a legal document like power of attorney. And then after that, it's the, you know, the children, and then it's the brothers and sisters, and then it's the nieces and nephews and grandchildren. And there's a hierarchy of kinship all the way down to a friend. So people do have even a very loose Net system within our legal system to help give them the power to establish supports uh, when the person suddenly becomes unable to have capacity for consent. Um, I also work with a really interesting end-of-life doula. So more and more, as our systems become overwhelmed, there's not enough beds in our long-term care facility. People are waiting sometimes one year, two years to get into these facilities. Our hospitals become sort of overflow for people waiting to get into the long-term care centers. And I've seen people in hospitals six, eight months, and I know the hospital can cost like, you know, thousands a day. So... Dying with dignity at home has be, is starting to be a movement within British Columbia for sure, but all across Canada. It's a movement to help be able to support people who can pass away at home. And an end-of-life doula will support that as well, you know, help people. Um, because as much as you think you're prepared to have your loved one pass away in front of you, there's so many emotions and um, needs, physical needs like nursing and things like that, organizing a care plan around that end-of-life process. It's really nice to have a focal person like me that can link all of the supports together. So I can reach out to make sure the palliative care team may be on board or the home support team needs to be organized. The end of doula needs to be organized. Um, the paperwork, which I would personally be doing, needs to be organized. So my end of life services is kind of trying to support people to um, pass away with dignity in their homes or at hospice if they choose or, you know, if they choose to go in hospital. So um, it's all about giving the person the capacity to make those choices when they're able to do so. Definitely, definitely. It's so important. Uh, I'm fortunate. I have a beautiful family, my aunt and my mom, who 
take care of all these things because it's not within my capacity to do so. So I'm, I'm uh, very fortunate in that context, but at the same time, it's still heartbreaking, just the thought. So many people are in denial at this point in time with their family members and, and, uh, it's, it can be very, very difficult to deal with, absolutely. Well, you know, loss and grief is a can doesn't have to wait till someone passes away. Correct. We 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 grieve over the loss of mobility. We grieve over the loss of community. We grieve over the loss of functionality. The relationship communication patterns shift. There is a lot of loss and grief that's walked before the person passes away, and having a good support system in place while it's happening is important. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for the caregiver, because you don't want to have the environment to the point where the caregiver is so frustrated that there may be abuse. Even like, you know, abuse can come in the form of neglect. Medication is another form of elder abuse, over-medicating the person you're looking after so that you can go out for the night, over-medicating the person so they won't wander you know, uh, medical restraints is another term Yes, that, yes. that can be used for that. So it's, it's another part of elder abuse. Even though we spent a lot of time talking about financial abuse this morning, um, you know, I've dealt with sexual abuse with elder seniors. You know, I've dealt with physical abuse, the medication abuse, um, wow. a lot of... Uh, and, and how you know, you... psychological abuse, never referring to the person by their name. Hey, old man, old woman, you know, and starting to degrade them and chipping away at who they are as a person. And Truly. that becomes part of the control to get the financial abuse often, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Shelley, we're going to take another quick break. you got another 10 minutes to come back with us and communicate. I'd love some... to, sure. Beautiful. I'll have a tea. Awesome. We'll be back with more After 9. Healthy Aging by United Way is presenting active aging workshops in conjunction with Council of Seniors and the Native Friendship Centre. Upcoming virtual workshops include a birdhouse project with Sheena and Piri Tuesday at 2 and Scam Awareness with Nicole Tuesday, June 8th at 2. Free for ages 55 and up. To register, call 250-564-4324 or email nhc at pgnfc.com. For more information, contact the Native Friendship Centre or the Council of Seniors. Go Buy Bike Week is back for 2021. Hosted by the Prince George Cycling Club, it runs from May 31st to June 6th with a special ramp-up event on the 26th. There's a different format than previous years with different checkpoints each day where cyclists can register to win daily prizes as well as a chance at two grand prizes valued at $1,000 each. For more information on how to get involved with Go By Bike Week, go to pgcyclingclub.ca. Two Rivers Gallery, the BC Family Information Liaison Unit, and School District 57 is challenging you to learn more about how you can spread awareness for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. May is Indigenous Education Month, and you're invited to make a red dress to be installed throughout Prince George. Find out how by viewing the video on the Two Rivers Gallery YouTube channel. The Red Dress Challenge until the end of May through Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza and online through Facebook. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of rain today. Wind from the west at 20 gusty to 40 this afternoon with a risk of thunderstorms, a high of 11. Mainly cloudy tonight, a 60% chance of showers this evening. West winds becoming light this evening and a low of 2. For Tuesday, more showers. Wind from the northwest at 30 gusty to 50 in the morning and a high of 8. 
You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, hello. Thank you, Shelley, for being with us from Innovative Social Working. Uh, she is an amazing lady in this community who takes helps take care of our elders and helps us figure out which path to walk down. It is a very, very serious issue. Uh, our medical system and everything that's happened over the last year and a half has brought a lot of things to light in these days. Um, so, Shelley, for to close up for the last bit of, the sh- of our segment with you here, do you want to tell us uh, all your contact information uh, about the purple uh, parade that you're going to have and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Well, let's start with my contact information. It's the name uh, for email. It's the name of my business, Innovative Social Work at gmail.com. My phone number is 250-301-6664. And those are the quickest ways to reach me. I'm always available through Facebook as well. And um, the parade is, is in celebration of World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. What we were planning to do is to create a sea of purple as the theme color. We're meeting at the uh, parking lot beside the aquatic center, and we're going to line up 100 vehicles. Um, the mayor will be there, hopefully. I haven't got that 100% confirmed yet, but we'll have some, hopefully some representation from city council and media coverage and, uh, you know, so that we can have conversation about this um, important issue. Um, the idea is to, um, you know, maybe put a, you know, some kind of decoration with messaging on your vehicle. And we're not going to have a parade where we shut down streets. We're just going to be following natural traffic patterns. Um, but we're going to be driving by long-term care facilities where seniors are going to come out and um, help us celebrate as we honk our horns and stuff like that as we drive by and hopefully make a statement, you know, hopefully make a statement about this issue. Um, there's things happening in every community. So alongside the parade, for instance, we're doing a series of TikTok videos to get our messaging out, using social media to get our messaging out. So if you would like to register, please contact me at the email I just said, innovativesocialwork at gmail.com or the Prince George CRN, which stands for Community Response Network at gmail.com. So the the Community Response Network is who's putting on this event. And um, uh, registration is open now. We're going to be actually doing a big media campaign this week, starting with your show this morning, Echo. So thank you very much. Awesome. Um, And uh, so that we can get 100 vehicles. Last year, when the pandemic hit, we couldn't do our normal event. So we did a little quick – we organized it in, like – 10 days, I think, and 20, 23 vehicles showed up for our little parade. So this year we have a big committee of volunteers, and we need 10 more volunteers, so I'll put that out there right now. We just, <laughs> uh, we're trying to get one volunteer for every five vehicles. Uh, you'll get a bag full of swag that has information about elder abuse as well as, you know, some other information about different agencies that are going to contribute to that so that you've got a, a little bag of resources to turn to for elder abuse. And, um, so we're looking for 10 more volunteers. I'll put that out there. I'd welcome anybody's uh, support of our of our initiative here. And yeah, so that's the big parade, World 
Elder Abuse Awareness Day. It's a bit of a mouthful. We call it WEAD, WEAD for short. And uh, the Community Response Network is responsible and uh, for putting all this wonderfulness on. And anybody who wants to do volunteering around this um, not only can get in contact with Innovative Social Work, but the PG Council of Seniors. Uh, the Brain Injured Group is doing some work to help support this, as well as the Better at Home program. So the more programs that we have, you can actually highlight your program on the side of your vehicle so that people know you're an entity that is able to help support abuse issues. And so it's a good opportunity for some of the nonprofits that sector to get out and let people know what resources are available for this for this issue. Excellent, excellent. So uh, do you have a route all planned out? What's going on with yes. it? Excellent. What's that going to be? Well, um, it, it, we're trying to do all right-hand turns. <laughs> so it's as simple nice. a route as possible. There's a couple of left-hand turns, but again, we have to keep up with the flow of traffic. So it's not like it's going to be like one long parade. It's going to be a series of light parades. <laughs> and But nonetheless, it, with 100 vehicles, people are going to notice, you know, and people are going to, and you know, they're going to read the messaging. And I think for the seniors who are in the long-term care center, I think it's just um, sort of like an honor to recognize that this issue is important. You know, I don't want to put out a message that people in long-term care centers are the only ones being abused. That's not what this is. This is just about showing support for the issue within this age group, you know, because it's so unique in the sense of it's only people who you truly love or people that you're so dependent on become your abuser or your predator right yeah yeah, it's horrifying so that that is so unique and it just brings up it just complicates and makes things so dynamic Um, but the bottom line is there is resources out there that can help and the more we educate people to do this sooner in people's lives as they go through the aging process not to be worried about um you know establishing a power of attorney not to have to worry about it's nice just to have a one-stop shop that's kind of how I describe my business sometimes, too, that you, you know, because none of us are born with information about end-of-life processes and legal work, you know. So where do you go to get this information? And so um, that's one of the reasons Community Response Network is involved is because we need to have that. We need that public awareness entity that can help us hub this information to give to people so they're not just kind of lost in space floating out on the internet trying to google their way through this absolutely that is a tool yeah yeah, that is that is a tool (laughs) absolutely so the day of the parade shelly and the time again and where at the yeah so the parade itself is at two o'clock that's when we're leaving the aquatic center up by um up by the cm center it's on 18th Avenue, and the parade leaves at 2, but we're going to be having cars. We're going to be there a few hours ahead, just kind of organizing everything, and we're asking people to show up anytime between 12 and 2 o'clock, depending on how long you want to wait and um, in, in the lineup, right? But we're expecting everything to happen between 1 and 2 o'clock, have everybody line up. And then uh, June 15th is the date. That's a Tuesday. 
Monday, uh, the mayor is going to do a proclamation at City Hall and raise the flag about Elder Abuse Awareness Week. So we're going to do uh, launch a week's worth of activities. The so different agencies in town are going to be doing something specific to bring awareness to this group or to this issue. So we're launching the week with the proclamation and the parade, and we've got the TikTok videos coming out. That's what the Community Response Network has been doing, and with a great deal of support from the PG Council of Seniors, the Brain Injury Group, the Better at Home Program, all very, um, you know, uh, uh, community-driven agencies that, you know, they they don't just help with seniors, some of these groups, but that is definitely part of their clientele group. And because of that, they're motivated to get involved in this issue, right? So... Totally, totally. Well, hey, Shelly, you know, you rock, my dear. I thank you so much for the work you do and for for what you've done in the community. We've been speaking with Shelly LeBreton from, oh my goodness, Innovative Social Work. (laughs) You know me, Shelly, and you know I'm in there with Big, so I I appreciate your time. And and, uh, once again, thanks for all you do in the community. I hope everyone's enjoyed this information and can come out on the 15th of June to give you a hand and and wave that flag. Thank you very much, Echo, and uh, thank you for having me as part of your show. Hey, you're so welcome, and thanks for being here. Okay, that's uh, this segment of uh, for a little bit. We're going to take a break on After 9 and be right back. Excavation is underway in preparation for the construction of two new apartment buildings behind Mr. PG. Access to the Prince George Landmark is still available during construction via the access road from Rec Place Drive or from the sidewalk running along the south side of Highway 97. More information about Mr. PG can be found on the city website at princegeorge.ca slash mrpg. The Prince George Symphony Orchestra has one final concert for its 50th anniversary season. The spring season will wrap up with a splendorous spring on Sunday, May 30th at 7.30. Featuring a Mozart string quartet, the evening will also include the world premiere of African Suite, composed by PGSO's acting principal violinist, Thomas Beckham. Tickets are available at pgso.com or by phoning 250-562-0800 or at their Studio 2880 office. The final concert of the 50th anniversary season, Splendorous Spring, 7.30 Sunday, May 30th. The BC Schizophrenia Society has a brand new podcast series shining a light on the voices of mental illness. Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined takes a close look at the reality of serious mental illness and the role we can all play in helping those who live with it lead the most productive lives possible. Full details are available through the education link at bcss.org. Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined, a new podcast series on now through bcss.org. Check out the latest exhibits at Two Rivers Gallery. All for Water brings together 15 BC-based artists, including local favorites Shirley Babcock, Corey Hardiman, and Betty Kavachik, with works addressing fresh water. A diverse collection of paintings, sculpture, mixed media works, and photography consider freshwater value and accessibility, species and habitat loss, indigenous rights and activism, and possible futures. All for Water is on through July 4th at Two Rivers Gallery, open Tuesday through Saturday from 11 to 5, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we have been talking uh, with Shelley LeBreton from Innovative Social Work. Thank her for being on so much. She's always a wealth of information. These are really trying times, so 
I tell you, all the help we can get is is uh, much needed, that's for sure. Hey, guys? Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Well, some good news the last week or so, Northern Health, COVID numbers, way down. Way down. And I heard on the radio this morning that um, England is talking about... Uh, dropping they're reopening the pubs and the reopening reopened stuff. a lot of the sports facilities already to limited numbers mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. well of course that yeah, makes sense right. yeah yeah and then the states it's, um they've lifted the mask mandates for people who have been vaccinated yeah. well that's pretty good and in the states as well different states obviously different rules Mm-hmm. But um, I saw, I've seen a couple of things on sports sites recently about like the NHL and the NBA playoffs are both starting, and with both of them they give a preview of the series, and then they also indicate what percentage of fans will be allowed in. Oh wow! And it's different. Like there's a couple of the buildings were fifty percent capacity, a yep. couple that are still only like sixteen, seventeen percent. So one out, they can fill one out of every six seats. Some of the other ones can fill half the seats. Wow! So. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the statistics play if the yeah. the numbers come up again or anything, like the heavier populated rooms compared to the lighter populated yeah. rooms. I'm sure they're looking at all these kinds of things right now, too. And the big date for us in B.C. is, well, I guess technically it's a week from tomorrow, is when the current public health order is set to expire. But based on what Dr. Bonnie Henry and the province have done in the past, I expect later this week they will be making an announcement about what's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. that people know ahead of time what they can and can't do as of, as I said, I think it's the 25th is the officially yes. the final day of the current public health order. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see, it's not going to just go away entirely, obviously. No. But they may take us some things, out yeah. of the patio and put us back into the spaces. <laughs> yeah. And again, that would be nice. I think even if it goes back to what it was before in the restaurants, mm-hmm. where I'm sure most of the restaurants still probably have the X's on oh, half of their absolutely. tables saying, no, this table doesn't get used. Even if they're only 50% capacity, I think the restaurants are going like to be and people very like happy. That. Yes. Yes. I, I know. I just... Okay, let's go out and have lunch. Well, it's, it's like raining. It's let's a little too to, chilly. Yeah. Let's, let's go out and get lunch. You can yeah. still do that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It just doesn't have that same swagger as having, you know, sit and socialize well, and do all that fun it, stuff. The weather's decent. A couple of friends and I were talking on later this week, maybe Thursday or Friday, um, each of us getting our own lunch somewhere, like Timmy's or wherever, and then meeting, and we were talking about meeting up on uh, Connaught Hill. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. there's some areas there that you can set it, even some of the picnic tables, because all of us have had our first shots. Yeah. Oh, good. And none of us have had any... No, I shouldn't say things like that. None of us had any complications or side effects. So we're all feeling fairly confident. We'll still stay... We're not going to sit all three of us on the same side of the table or anything, but we'll sit in such a way that there is a little bit of distance between us. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. again, it'll be a chance to get out and be with friends. Absolutely. So It's so important, especially after the last year and a half. Yes. A lot of us have just had so much loss and... Yeah. It's been so and shocking. So, oh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, has uh, how about the worldwide? Are the numbers coming down in general? I hear the India and some countries up. England it is down. It seems to so. vary. England is down. Um, 
again, we do not hear that much from a lot of these countries mm-hmm. for whatever reason. India still seems to be having problems. Um, Japan, last week, I don't know. I never really saw any numbers on it, but a number of people in Japan are saying maybe we shouldn't even hold the 2020 Olympics this year. Yeah, 350,000 people signed a petition Yes, saying stop the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Ta- Taiwan, their rates are up. Yeah. India, their rates are up. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just weird how this works. Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, <clears throat> I was just reading an article on Apple News, and it's stating the um, heavily weighed amount of people that are, are being terminally affected by this are folks with Alzheimer's. Yes. So oh. th- that's, um, that in a, in a way that makes sense. I would expect immune systems to be down and there's some complications of nutrition. And the other thing is, even though Shelley was saying Alzheimer and dementia can affect people of any age, it does affect older people. Much more so. For the most so. part. And that is the people who we've seen all along are the ones who are more likely to die from uh, COVID because, again, immune systems, just everything about their health is a little bit worse in most cases. Yeah. So they're more likely to have the problems. Yeah. And they're also uh, getting new research out of Florida that's showing that the gut biome is a a Mm -hmm. big contributor to Alzheimer's and dementia, as well as depression. It, It was initial studies with depression, but now. So please, all of you out there, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Get that, not yogurt per se, because not all yogurt's (laughs) as good as it should be, but, you know, the kimchi, all those pro and prebiotics that we uh, like to joke about, it it is very important, and uh, read up on the studies. And we're pretty much, sorry, I'm clicking my tongue here in the radio, I I, I ask forgiveness for that, but we're at the end of the day right now on the show for the Monday. We've got a few seconds left. Oh, we got a few seconds left, okay. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, please take care of yourselves, look into those uh, studies, and and inform yourself. And and do some reading. Sit around, talk with people, be more social, be more active. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. One other quick note, which you maybe pass along, Echo. Sure. You aren't going to be on the air next week on this show. Oh, yeah. we got the holiday coming up. Yes. day long weekend. It's so. a day long weekend. Yeah. Yay. I hope everyone has a great one. And yeah. uh, looking forward to the following week's show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for now. It's been a great hour here with Shelley and Phyllis and I and Alan. And uh, appreciate your time. And we will talk to you the week after next. Bye for now. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. Broadcasting at 93.1 on the FM dial, this is CFIS-FM Prince George. Proudly sponsored by local businesses like Timberline Footfitters on Victoria next to Wendy's.